Hi everyone, welcome to another collaboration with Just Creepy. I'm excited to have him on my channel again and I think you're going to really enjoy this video. Don't forget to subscribe to his channel and if you haven't yet, consider subscribing to mine and click the notification bell so you never miss one of my videos. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm a 17-year-old guy, currently living in Phoenix, Arizona. This incident took place around six months ago on an overnight trip into the Superstition Mountains, which are about an hour drive east of Phoenix. I'm not going to specify the exact trail because I've been doing this stuff long enough to realize what happens when you post stuff on the internet. Whether it's a good trail, abandoned mine, ghosts, or whatever it may be, people come flocking and usually with a lot of trash and loud music. Anyway, this particular trail I was taking was an eight mile loop through a canyon. Pretty simple in and out overnight trip. I had planned to go with my friend, but a last minute cancel on his part left me on my own. So with a packed bag and my car ready to go, I decided to go on my own. Not leaving the house on time and some trouble navigating rough forest roads I didn't arrive at the trailhead until around 5.45, which for those of you who don't backpack, this is a very big no-no. I had about a four mile hike until I arrived at my planned camping spot, and it was getting dark fast, so I figured if I moved quick enough, I could get at least two to three miles in before I had to find a spot. This strategy left me hiking a very dark trail on my own with about 15 miles of dirt road between me and anyone else. Hiking in the dark by itself is scary, especially for where I was and being on my own. Eventually, it got so dark I could only see where my headlamp was pointing, and that's when I figured I needed to stop and get my camp set up. Only using the headlamp as my light source and trying to move fast, I ended up in a less than ideal spot. There was some burnt pieces of wood and the remains of a fire circle, so it looked like people had been there before, but definitely not recently. My first priority was to get a fire going. I scanned the area around me and was able to find some dry wood, and I got the fire going. I got my tarp set up and cracked open a can of chili mac I had brought for myself and was very much looking forward to eating. I was feeling good. My camp was set up and my food was on the fire. The feeling of uneasiness from the hike in had almost gone away, but it was still there. Side effect of camping alone in remote areas. To fully understand what happened, I have to explain how my camp was set up. The site I had picked was a small clearing surrounded by large pine trees with the trail about 30 feet to my left. There was a small circle of light from my fire and everything past it was pitch black. I was sitting on the ground near my fire, eating my dinner, when a small rock about the size of a marble was thrown into my camp. I looked at the tiny rock in shock, as I was positive I was the only person on the trail that night. I immediately turned my light and faced it toward the area where I had seen the rock come from. Due to the density of the pines and brush, I could only see about 10 feet. I spent the next 15 minutes in disbelief as I scanned the tree line that surrounded me, searching for what or whoever had thrown the rock, not daring to stray too far from my fire. 
After sitting back down and spending the rest of my time on high alert, I was able to convince myself that I had somehow kicked the rock or it had fallen from a tree. That night, I awoke to the sound of rustling leaves, barely audible, but still there. I was still in a sleepy daze as I listened. The rustling of leaves got harder to hear, and I assumed they were moving away from me. I went to grab my handheld flashlight that I had left next to me when I had fallen asleep, but I soon came to realize that it was no longer there. I stood up in my sleeping bag and ducked out of the tarp and looked around. I was able to see a light off in the woods. It couldn't have been more than 15 feet away. It was my flashlight, laying on the ground on a pile of leaves. The flashlight that I had left sitting right next to me when I had fallen asleep a few hours ago was now 15 feet away from me, past the tree line. I quickly slipped my boots, clutched my knife in the other hand, and keeping my head on a swivel, I weighed my options. Stay here and wait out the night, or attempt the three-mile hike back to the car in the dark. I figured that whatever, or whoever was out there with me, was definitely going to have a better advantage if I was on the trail without a light. I decided to stay at the camp and waited out the night there. Eventually, it came back. I could hear it walking through the woods. It was far off, but I could hear it. It sounded like someone was leisurely walking by, like they were on a stroll without a care in the world. Sometimes it would walk far away, and I would lose the sound of its steps. But then it would return, still faint as ever. This went on for about three or four hours, until the steps got closer and closer. Now, they were about seven feet from me. At this point, the fire had become very small, as I had run out of wood in my pile. The footsteps stopped, and everything went totally silent. I sat there still, for two hours, clutching my knife in my hand, and praying I wouldn't hear anything else. I stayed like that, until the sun cast enough light that I could see that I was alone in my campsite. I packed my things, and speed walked the three miles down the trail I had taken. I arrived at the empty dirt road where my car was parked. I nearly sprinted to my Subaru as I unlocked it, jumped in and drove, not stopping until I had put at least 20 miles between me and that place. I ended up in a gas station in Apache Junction to buy some Red Bull, but mostly just to see and or talk to another person. As I exited the store, I was able to read something that was written in the dust on the back window of my car. It said, Sleep well. Years ago, when I was still a teenager, my friend Justin and I would often go longboarding at night, as my friends and I were quite the night owls. We loved the freedom of almost never seeing another soul on the roads or the paths we frequented. Even when using the main roads, it would be very rare to see a car out so late in such a rural area, and you could hear and see them coming from very far away, due to their headlights and the noise of the vehicle disrupting the peaceful silence of the night. We were really into it at the time, and we would often ride our boards for miles and miles, sometimes not arriving home until the sun was up. One particular night, we decided to ride a few miles away from our usual back roads to take one of our favorite hidden routes. It began with a narrow paved path that was the only piece of land separating two sides of a long lake. 
It would often sink under due to the rain, and we wanted to seize the opportunity to use it before it rained again and went underwater. It was roughly two miles long, and it was extremely relaxing to ride through because of the scenery. After making it to the end of the lake, we decided to continue moving and turn into a very close path that leads directly into a densely wooded wilderness preservation. As we came up to the first hill, we looked down at the bottom into the blackness. We both noticed what appeared to be a tiny moving ball of dim light down there. It moved so strangely, and it was extremely difficult to make out what it was. Rather than shine our flashlight down, we curiously watched it for a few moments, whispering to each other about what it could possibly be. All at once, that small light turned into multiple blinding lights and extremely loud revving sounds, overwhelming our senses that had become accustomed to the dark and silence. Acting purely on fear, we instantly turned around and ran as fast as we could, hearing yelling and revving gaining behind us. By sheer luck, we managed to run off the path into a very dark, very overgrown hole in the side of a hill overlooking where we had just come from. We decided to hide in the natural dugout of this hill, hoping the plants in the darkness would be enough to protect us from whatever was happening out there. We watched our pursuers ride up to where we had originally been standing. There were four men, two on four-wheelers and two on full-sized motorcycles. They were yelling at each other about something, but we couldn't make out what they were saying due to the distance we had covered. We felt safe enough to whisper very softly to each other and speculated who these people could be. Our first thought was they might be park rangers of some kind, although we had never seen one here in the many times we had been through. And, honestly, we doubted that this county had the budget or even the desire to have anyone patrol the deep woods at night. Besides that, these men were on vehicles entirely inappropriate for paved bike trails, and they were very angry about something. They called out to us for a while, yelling things like, We know you're out there, and we can see you. Come on out. We stayed silent and decided to call their bluff instead of running. Eventually, we clearly heard one of the men yell, Find them now, and smashed a bottle. That had erased any hope we had that these were just park rangers. We watched them split up, each of them going a different way down the series of paths on their vehicle, including the path that we came from. It took us what felt like ages to even move. We were frozen in terror inside that dugout, watching the lights from the vehicle travel through the woods and paths, one of them already coming full circle and passing the point he started from. I thought about calling for help, but I was too afraid to open my phone in fear that even the smallest amount of light would give away our location. After waiting for the lights of the vehicles to reach their farthest distance yet, we finally summoned the nerve to get up and try to run somewhere far enough from these people to safely make a call. We ran as hard and fast as we could through the woods. Since their headlights gave away their location on these paths, we would hide again whenever we felt they were getting too close. Our available hiding spots were getting progressively worse as the woods became less dense, and the fear I felt waiting for one of them to drive past us, while basically only being covered in leaves and plants, may still be unmatched to this day. Finally, we emerged from the woods onto the intersection of two main roads, 
far from where we started. We ducked down into the ditch to call for help. When I opened my phone, I noticed I had recent missed calls from one of our other friends, Connor, who we were supposed to meet up with after our longboard excursion. I called him and frantically asked where he was. Luck was with us again. He hadn't given up on our plans despite us ignoring him, and he was only a few miles away, already heading in our direction. I gave him the names of the two streets we were near and explained that we needed to be picked up right away. He agreed to speed over to us while Justin and I waited in hiding. Thankfully, Connor arrived before any of those men did. We bolted into the back seats of the car, yelling for him to get out of there, and he took off. Relief doesn't begin to describe what I felt after being safely driven home after everything I had just experienced. After explaining everything that happened to Connor, we ended up just moving on with our night and decided not to call the police. We figured they would be gone by the time any officer made it out there, and that we would only be putting ourselves at risk by admitting to breaking the law by taking those paths so late at night. I still have no idea what happened or who those people were. I've been told all kinds of theories from friends and family that have heard the story. Some think we walked right up to a huge drug deal. Justin and I later admitted to each other that when the revving started and we couldn't see, our minds both went straight to chainsaw-wielding horror movie serial killer, so I suppose it could have been much worse. Frustratingly enough, whatever those men thought we saw that made them want to catch us so badly, we never actually saw. And we'll never really know, I suppose. I was a wildland firefighter back in the day in Arizona. I worked in a forest that was generally popular with a lot of recreation in the northern portion, but I worked in the southern portion of the forest that was really remote. It barely had any roads or campgrounds, so if you wanted to recreate there, you had to work for it. The fire crew I was on had two duty stations, one in a small town where the rest of the forest employees worked out of, and one that was two and a half hours away up a really windy mountainous road. The remote duty station had an old Forest Service ranger station and a newer double-wide trailer that was recently put in. When I worked at this place, I had no cell reception. When my crew and I weren't working, we were playing horseshoes and watching movies. They did eventually add a cell phone booster, which sadly made people play on their phones, but I digress. So for my creepy story, I want to keep it pretty simple but my supervisor from that crew had experienced some weird things as well while working up there. There was one night he told me he was cowboy camping, sleeping outside with no tent, and he kept getting a weird, mucousy drop of liquid on his face. He kept looking around and even yelling, and no one was around him. He told me he wasn't below any trees, so it wasn't tree sap, and he never slept outside there ever again, which leads me to believe he was telling the truth. Now for my story. I have had other interesting experiences at that remote duty station, but this one was scary. It was the night of July 4th and we weren't on a fire, so the crew was playing horseshoes and having a good time. Everyone went to bed early because we were going to have a PT hike the next day. I had my own small room in the double wide trailer and my bed was situated next to a big window. I started dozing off, but felt awake still 
and I hear one of my coworkers outside my window asking me to come outside. I was laying on my side facing the window and I didn't look up, but I felt their presence by the window. It felt as though something tall was looming over me from outside. They kept beckoning me and I said no. Pretty quickly, their voice started changing to a deeper, raspier, angrier voice. They started cursing at me. Get the fuck outside. I just froze. It was sort of a demonic voice. I lay frozen, not moving, while they yelled at me. Eventually, it stopped, and I fell asleep. I woke up the next day and wanted to ask my coworker if he was standing outside my window, but I felt too weird. I grew up in Ohio in the 70s, and me and my childhood friend Joe were outside all the time we could manage it. Joe lived on a farm that bordered a pretty big forest, and my parents would drop me off in the morning, and we would stay in the woods all weekend. We'd only come out for school. We loved pretending we were frontiersmen. We'd build shelters, traps, practice making fire with sticks, the whole nine yards. When we got to be in high school, we got this notion to pull a stand by me. This was based on the movie of the same name that had just come out. The idea was that we'd walk to the railroad tracks out in the country, but instead of looking for a dead body, we'd find cool bridges to fish from and camp a little ways off the tracks. Of course we knew this was dangerous and we'd likely be trespassing, but we were just kids. We had a lot of fun. We did find beautiful rivers. We discovered bridges no one went to. We fished. We hid from trains. At night, we camped in the woods just near the tracks and made small hidden fires. Nothing bad ever happened. It was idyllic. In fact, it was so fun we did it multiple times. Never had a problem. After high school, Joe and I went our own ways. We both left home but always stayed in touch and always tried to coordinate visits so we could see each other occasionally. Well, one summer in the mid-90s, it worked out that we were both in town for about a week. We'd do stuff with the family in the day, and at night, we'd either catch drinks at a bar or sit outside Joe's house around a fire and talk about the old days. One night, Joe and I got talking about our stand-by-me trips. Well, nostalgia and beer are a hell of a mix. Soon we decided to take a day, walk the trails, camp one night, and walk home. The day came. We started out early morning. We had my wife drop us off in our old spot where we used to start, right outside our hometown. She thought this was absolutely crazy and made sure to mention it. When she pulled away, Joe suggested that instead of walking the usual route, we take the opposite direction, just to be adventurous. We knew the land well and we had a map, so I gave a, what the hell, and off we set. The day went fine. It was fun and a little sad, but in a good way. We found a bridge and sat off the edge, smoked a joint and moved on, We had no fishing gear, but we brought some canned food and other stuff. Before night started setting in, we picked a spot to camp. It was a thick forested area, trees on every side of the train track, so you felt like you were in a tunnel. We had brought small hammocks to sleep on, but before setting them up, we decided to do a little scouting of the perimeter. Now this is what we used to do in the old days too. We'd walk around the area a little bit to make sure some dude's house wasn't just over a hill and we were actually camping in their yard. 
We walked maybe a hundred or so feet into the woods and up a small incline. We figured if we didn't see anything from the top of the short hill, we'd be fine. But when we got to the top, we saw an old building down at the bottom, about a hundred yards into the woods. It was barely visible. We pondered over what to do. We both assumed it was a sugar shack or something, because there didn't appear to be a clear road into it. From where we were, there didn't look to be anyone in it either. All was quiet. No movement could be seen. No lights. We decided to walk a little closer just to make sure. We came down the hill very slowly, and as we neared the building, we saw it wasn't a sugar shack at all. It was an old church. It looked like it had been abandoned for years. It was a squat, sagging building whose wooden planks were almost black from years of moss and rot. A cross still stood on top of the place, also weathered black. None of the windows had glass, and there were no doors, just open doorways. We got close enough to see inside. There were rows of pews and a built-up section in front for a preacher to stand. We didn't go all the way in. We didn't want to. Beyond all that, there was no sign of anyone else. No footprints, no paths, no roads. It was an abandoned church. We left immediately and went back up the hill to our spot where we had picked a camp. Having a hill between us and the church made us feel better, but we were still a little uneasy. We chalked it up to the natural creepiness of seeing a church in the middle of the woods would elicit. Besides, at this point, it was dusk, and we just wanted to rig up our hammocks and go to sleep and move on in the early morning. Night sets in, and as we lay in our hammocks and talked, we began hearing something in the direction of the church. Our conversation about it went a little like this. Did you hear that? What the hell is that? It sounds like people singing. And it did sound just like singing. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down, straining to hear more. We listened for a minute or two, and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. Finally, we decided to creep back up the hill and see if we could spy where the sound was coming from. We could still move very quietly in the woods from the old days. It was second nature to us. The moon was barely out, but it provided enough light so you wouldn't walk right into a tree, but it was near pitch black. We didn't use flashlights as we crept slowly up the hill and we didn't talk. When we got to the top, we saw a light in the distance. It was coming from the church, and the singing was coming from inside. Joe and I put our heads close together and had a hushed conversation that boiled down to, Can you believe this shit? The light looked to be a candlelight from the way that it flickered, and though we tried, we couldn't make out what was being sung. It sounded like church music, but in another language. We sat and watched for a while, trying to see who was in there, but we only saw occasional shadows. We had no intention of getting closer either. We had about a football field length between us, and we aimed to keep it that way. The singing continued for a bit, and then it stopped. After that, a booming male voice began to chant. I was already freaked out, but this voice thoroughly scared the crap out of me. It sounded like some Old Testament preacher you see in the movies. 
But again, it was like he was speaking in a different language because we couldn't understand a single word. Eventually, it got to where a single male voice would say something, and then a bunch of voices would answer in song. This lasted for a while, and then they all broke into this long, sustained wail that just kept getting louder. It got so loud and so disturbing that I covered my ears. Then it stopped. At this point, I was just getting ready to say, let's get the hell out of here, when Joe put a hand on my shoulder and hissed, they're coming out. We were far away enough that we couldn't make them out very well, but what we could see was a line of figures walk out of the open doorway, all holding hands in single file. We could see some of them had flashlights. They began to sing again, and the light from the flashlights began to move towards us and the hill. We booked it back down to our campsite, grabbed our crap, and ran to the tracks. Once there, we ran down the tracks in the direction we had come from. After a few minutes, we stopped and looked back. We saw lights coming down the hill. They were moving erratically, like whoever was holding them was shaking them. We continued to run in spurts and walk as fast as we could. We eventually stopped seeing the lights and came to a road. By our map, we knew a small town was about 15 minutes down it, and we walked there, got to a 24-hour gas station, and called my wife to come get us. My wife and other friends all thought it was just kids messing around, but I heard those voices, and they sure as hell didn't sound like just kids to me. Not sure who those people were, but it was definitely the creepiest thing that happened to me, out in those woods. <laughs>